call to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Monday, May the 14th, 2018 order. The record shows that he's, well, he's 30 seconds late. So, basically at 5 o'clock. And uh, I'll ask our CAO um, for the agenda. Are there any additions? And if there are any deletions? Uh, yes, Your Worship. There's two additions and there's two deletions. Uh, we're going to be adding uh, the EOP certificates from Uni 101 and the second item, and that will be under new business, and the AUMA Policy Board. That also will be under new business, and we'll be removing bylaw 2015 and bylaw 2030. Okay. And 2030. That is correct, Your Worship. Uh, Councillors, that seems to be not on there. That should be there. It's not on. Make a motion to uh, adopt the agenda as Ms. Downing. All in favor? <laughs> that takes us to the minutes of the April 23rd, 2018 regular council meeting. Are there any uh, corrections, clarifications, etc., etc.? Are we fussed about typos? Yeah, we should. Uh, okay, just on, on motion 18-04171, it's on page 5 of page of the document. Uh, just as councilors can't warrant, should say moved to direct administration and there's no move to, or move that, or whatever. Some, some preposition. Doing my best. Otherwise, I'm happy with it. I'm going to move things. Uh, we accept them. Okay, all in favor? <coughs> um, do we have any public hearings, Mr. Parker? Uh, we have none in the worship. Okay, we have one, uh, two presentations. That is correct. So uh, the first presentation is advanced paramedic at the. Not here at the moment, Mr. Worship. So we will then ask Mike Scheibel. Is that how it's probably pronounced? Or? Yes. That's, that's what a year's worth of backpacking in Europe does. <laughs> Very good. Must have been in Austria. Uh, uh, you're, yeah, you're, I think Austria is still in Europe. <laughs> the last time I checked. <laughs> and it was on this side of the wall. <laughs> So uh, you, Mr. Scheibel, are going to um, give us some information about ICS. Yes. Maybe you should start with what the acronym means. That would be great. So Michael Scheidel, I'm the manager of Intermissible Relations at Alberta Municipal Affairs. So I recognize some counselors from previous years. Uh, so our area, we're the lead for Intermissible Collaboration Frameworks. So those are the mandatory frameworks that Bordering municipalities have to create by April 1st, 2020. So um, I know I talked to the CAOs from three rural municipalities in the town about the possibility.
responsibility of getting municipalities together to talk about next steps for ICF. <coughs> um, so I wanted to see if you have any questions of clarity around intermissible collaboration frameworks, maybe give you a little bit of Cole's notes about it and uh, see what you would like to do on the on the 12th. Um, I, we have some ideas on how we could have a productive meeting. I might just present that to the council and see if you have any questions of clarity or any concerns, that sort of thing. Would that work for council? Sure, it works. Okay, great. So I'm really open to please ask questions uh, however it works for your council. So there's mandatory intermissible collaboration frameworks and IDPs, so intermissible development plans. I understand you're working on your IDPs with the counties currently. Um, so <clears throat> the service that we provide is often we'll get municipalities together to talk about next steps from there. The June 12th meeting, we're thinking about doing something where you review the legislation and the uh, regulations so everybody's really clear about what uh, intermissible collaboration frameworks are and are not. Because if you haven't uh, went to the workshops, there is some common questions that come out and common misconceptions about what it is and what it isn't, which will help you in your discussions uh, with the MDPs, the County of Northern Lights, and Northern Sunrise County. So we're thinking of reviewing legislation. Um, then what we do is take a look at just introducing what are those subject areas that the different municipalities like to talk about. And given that, how would you like to organize yourselves to have those discussions? And really those follow, there's a workbook that was developed by uh, AUMA and, and RMA. And we're also involved in those tools. So it's basically following the workbook and take a look at given what you want to talk about, what's the best way to organize yourselves in terms uh, to make sure that you complete them by the deadline. So that's sort of the, the idea right now. And I'm going to say it's draft. If you want to, I'll be uh, talking or send an email back and forth to the CAOs to make sure that works for the councils. Uh, really important to us that this works for you and you get the information that you need really to make an informed decision on how to move forward. I just ask you when the deadline is. The deadline, oh, uh, so April 1st, 2020. So the act was put into force. This part of the act was put into force April 1st, 2018. All neighboring municipalities have two years to complete uh, ICF bylaw and IDP bylaw. And the idea here is to make sure that your planning and your services mesh. The example I'll use is if you're doing one of your highway corridors, depending on how you zone that or what you're going to do, if you're going to do agriculture, how you service that would look different if you're going to do highway commercial or residential, for example. So it's to make sure that your, your planning and your services mesh, as well as the whole purpose behind mandatory collaboration is to ensure that municipalities are providing good service to the residents and that they're competitive globally. So that's overall, like, the overall big picture in terms of why universal collaboration frameworks. And one thing I want to emphasize um, that our ADM and DM, so Deputy Minister and Assistant Deputy Minister, emphasizes ICFs are about cost sharing, not about revenue sharing. So I know you'll probably have some revenue sharing agreements. ICFs are about what services are you providing intermissively, and capturing that in a summary, real high level summary. 
so it's not a contract. Say it's it's really capturing. You probably have, I'm guessing, uh, at the CAO, you probably have 10 to 25 agreements already with the various counties. You would capture that in a summary and list your individual services and pass that as a bylaw. So that's in terms of collaboration frameworks, really in a nutshell. Usually takes about an hour, hour and a half to do the presentation, so uh, with questions and that sort of thing. And, and, one of, and then one of the things we were looking at is uh, possibly on the 12th having that presentation for uh, any counselors that in the area who haven't had that presentation. Yeah, we've, we've been going around the province doing uh, ICF workshops, and EP workshops, and there's a, a number of folks, and I think uh, a few counselors here went to one of them. We open it up to any of the counselors or staff who want to uh, hear the presentation and ask any questions of clarity. That way, it's, it's always good to have that good base, like here's what the legislation says, what you have to do, and then you make some decisions on how to proceed from there. And then we also have resources, uh, there's various tools and examples out there, as well as a workbook that, that follows with that. So before the 12th, I would email up to the CIOs, the workbook, the tools, the agenda, and then we'd have a presentation for all those uh, elected officials and staff that would want to go from there. And I just want to emphasize the meeting isn't about making decisions, it's about just starting the conversation about what do you what do you want to talk about and given what you want to talk about what are what's the best way to, to set that up our area provides support and grants for collaboration and mediation and the town has actually bought some of those grants for IEPs and ICFs so if that's something um, I always say if you know it's going to be complex and this is for any uh, I'm a charter mediator, so if there's any, anything that's going to be complex or you have a philosophical disagreement, I'll put it that way, um, and maybe if you have some history with each other of uh, having philosophical differences, it probably would be good to get a third party to help you with that. So something to think about. Uh, sometimes when we do this with municipalities, when we get together, they go, yeah, it would be, would be good getting to your time limit to get some facilitation help for our negotiations or discussions. If the councils are ready to have that discussion, we have a roster of folks that do facilitation mediation. You can take a look at that. If you're not ready, then that's something you can decide at a later date. So there's no obligation if you go to the meeting, it's just to start the conversation. So um, you're saying the presentation would be for all counselors who might not have had the presentation, I guess, yes. before or want uh, review. Um, and then the second part is it just Peace River counselors having an ongoing chat about the workbook, or is it all four or five, whoever our partners are in this ICF kind yeah. of thing? So the, the suggestion, the way we've been setting up, we're doing workshops now all over the province and how we're working at is we have all the municipal neighbors together just to start the conversations. What do we need to discuss? What are those things that we're, we're good, we're really good with this agreement and that agreement, but we would like to talk about, and these are kind of the, the hot topics, pardon the pun, so fire, recreation, 
usually water, wastewater, or solid waste. Those are the ones that some municipalities want to talk about. But those are the ones that you want to talk about. And if you're pretty close where you think we just got a tweak agreement, then you may not need, uh, that'll help you figure out how to do that. Or you may have all the municipalities want to talk about one service, whatever that might be. It just helps you figure out how to organize yourselves, given because you have uh, three that you have to get done with the, with the town. It'll help you strategically take a look at how do we want to negotiate that or discuss those different topic areas that we want. Some municipalities, all their agreements are good, and um, it's a matter of getting together and summarizing their agreements. Others want to have discussions about, um, let's say, recreation or fire that. And, and that would all happen at that meeting? Uh, all would happen, not the negotiation piece. Just want to be really clear about that. You wouldn't start the negotiation, but to help you organize yourselves, you'll need to know, for example, um, you need to know if you want to talk about, let's say, recreation or water or wastewater. It's good to know that. And then other municipalities and yourselves will be able to figure out, well, who needs to, how do we want to negotiate that? Does it make sense for all of us to negotiate that together? Or should we negotiate that one-on-one -on -one because we have distinct needs or relationships with those different municipalities? Does that make sense? Sort of. So, and so the, the, the quick answer is all together, but we wouldn't get into the so, details. So um, municipality X says recreation is our topic. Everybody should discuss that. And the next one says, no, uh, we're happy and that comes out at the meeting yeah. no recreation uh, we want to discuss x something so how does that happen at that meeting we're just throwing up topics kind of thing yeah it's just to identify what are those areas that you'd like to discuss because um, after the two years if they're if your icf isn't complete then it goes to mandatory arbitration mandatory arbitration is where uh, arbitrator would be chosen between yourselves or appointed by the minister, and that arbitrator would make a decision on, on those services. Yeah, I think we'll, uh, well, we, we need the uh, seminar. There's only two of us, or maybe one of us, that's actually in uh, one of these sessions. So we can learn the rules of the road, so to speak, because uh, I think uh, you just mentioned this is about cost sharing, not revenue sharing. Yes. That's so right. uh, I think that's um, that's something we weren't aware of that. And um, I, I, I don't think it'd be helpful to come out of a uh, session where we just learn the boundaries uh, of, the, of the issues and, and then go into setting negotiations. Plus, each one of our surrounding neighbors are unique and distinct enough that I think we would want to meet with them individually and discuss the, uh, the issues with them individually. I suppose it'd be useful to have a, a common facilitator at all those meetings. Uh, and that way, if there are uh, items that where there's common ground with all three, then that facilitator can tease them out, and then we can work towards more joint meetings. Uh, 
for instance, if, if it's uh, if everybody is willing to throw in one meal of their taxes towards a, rec a recreation fund or organization, um, and everyone seems to be more or less on board with that, then we bring every, all the parties together and discuss recreation. Rather than because we have one long skinny county that's uh, to the uh, north northwest of us, and then we have one one that's uh, uh, crazy that's it's uh, living in penury, and then we have uh, uh, one large one on the east side there. They're all they're all quite different. different different revenue sources. So I think uh, certainly we, uh, we wouldn't expect a, an exclusive uh, seminar just for us at you as well. So yeah, we could open it up to other 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 counselors and administrative officials. But I, I don't think that we would be ready to discuss uh, ICF without all of us being on the same, same song sheet. At the, at the workshops that we're doing now, what we've done is we'll do a similar where we do the uh, piece of legislation, the regulations, and then what we'll do is we introduce the tools. So the tools basically go through, um, and I, I don't know if you've seen them yet, where they they help you figure out as a council municipality Here's the different services that we're interested in looking at uh, intermissibly or are currently, and here's the state that they're in in terms of we'd like to talk about them or particularly these certain services. And then what we do with those tools, we get the municipalities together is to share kind of what they have on their sheet. And from there, then that would be the only expectation is they just share what they have. And then at a later date, they figure out how they want to move forward. Is that something that would work? Well, sharing sharing that kind of information seems like an administrative function. Uh, and the administrators would have a better idea of the data. And I imagine administration would be at this session as well. Yes, yeah. I know when we've done it in uh, other regions, we've done about 10. Um, elected officials and staff found that really useful because there were some things in there that um, they go, oh geez, I didn't know we had agreement on this area. Or, yeah, this is an area that we're both thinking about that we should maybe contemplate or take a look at. Or like, they find out, geez, we're all okay with these services, that's good. And they uh, wipe the sweat off their brow and they're really happy about that. Or there's other areas that go, okay, here's, here's one we feel we need to, to tweak a bit or make some changes on. Um, and there's, when they do that, it's, it's we have facilitators there to have, help have that conversation. And there's no expectation on, you know, structure negotiations. It's just introduce the tools so you understand how to use them later on, if that makes sense. Um, there's two areas I have question maybe they'd be answered at the seminar if they are you're probably now and leading to that but 
Um, in, in a nutshell, if you were going to define the, the end goal of an ICF, assuming Nirvana and assuming you know, everything works right, what would you see? What do you, how would you define the end goal? The end goal of ICFs? Yeah. Um, I think the whole purpose behind uh, having mandatory collaboration is to make sure the municipalities are working together to provide the best services that they can for the residents. And each area is going to be different. Um, and definitely we've been traveling all over the province and each, each area is distinctly different on how they, what services that they uh, collaborate on and how they collaborate on them, how they do the cost sharing. Uh, so each area is different. So it's, it's really is to make sure that you're providing good intermissible service. Okay, um, the second one is, um, you, you, I mean, you talked about no revenue sharing, okay, I, can, I understand what you're saying. Um, the other part is, you talked about things that are covered and things that aren't covered by the ICF. And so I'd be interested if the seminar would give us more clarification on what is the definition of a service or in, is it an inclusive or exclusive definitions of service? Somebody says, well, services are things like recreation, that, that recreation, fire, water, such and such. And somebody comes along and says, but our road infrastructure is a service. And the other group says, well, no, it's not. It's whatever. I'm just saying, is it so do you end up defining inclusive and exclusive, or how does that work? Yes, yeah, so we do talk about there's five service areas that you have to have a conversation on and provide a summary. Right. So and even so that's water, wastewater, solid waste, transportation, recreation, and emergency services. That's not to say that you have to provide those services intermissibly. You just need to have a conversation about does it make sense to provide that service uh, intermissibly. So the example I'll use is water and wastewater. If it doesn't make sense for the two municipalities to collaborate because it's going to cost too much money or there isn't a need, for example, to service outside of the town, then if both municipalities agree, they just say that service is provided independently. So that it does talk about the services that you have to provide a summary for, and then it's up to you. You probably have other services like library and a few others where you provide municipal service, you just capture them. I'm thinking in terms of something, just I'll throw something out as an idea, and you can tell me totally off the top and totally on. Um, if you have a community that's like a retail center for a region or whatever, uh, or a, a hospital center for a region or whatever, obviously those are services of service. Those are things within your municipal borders of service. They're not publicly owned, they're privately owned, or they're publicly owned or whatever. But how do you, how would the ICF be um, able to address the costs of a municipality providing those services to a region? For example, hospital, you might say, yeah, it's public, okay, fine, yeah, your medical center, so maybe here, but maybe not, maybe not Walmart, or maybe not stores, or maybe not the lawyer's offices, or whatever. But can those things be brought up as services and are they allowed within the ICF? So there's a lot of latitude for municipalities to define what the services are. For example, transportation, there's no definition of transportation. It's up to municipalities to decide what, it, what does transportation mean. Same with recreation, which is quite broad across the province. 
uh, that certain municipalities that define recreation a certain way and others that define it a different way. Have any municipalities addressed the ones I'm talking about at all? Throughout the province that you're aware of? Uh, you mean like hospitals and? Well, hospitals, retail centers, infrastructure for um, big service center for a region. Yeah, so if it's, it's um, just curious. Yeah, it's taking a look at all the physical services and infrastructure, I guess. That would be, that's in there, you have to discuss other services, municipal services that benefit both residents. Uh, retail um, wouldn't be a municipal service. Well, not just a hospital. Yeah, not just a hospital. They have a infrastructure to support it. That's often where municipalities will have that discussion. So roads, water, wastewater, that service, all those types of development. They'll have discussions about, you know, if we want to do a certain development here, what's municipal services that we need, which is water, wastewater, roads, uh, EMS, all those different services. Then they can discuss whatever cost-sharing they feel is appropriate. Okay. It gets helpful. So it's, it's really open to municipalities. Um, and the municipalities have to agree, this is how we want to do it. If you don't agree, you have two years, and then it goes to mandatory arbitration. Okay, that sounds fine. Yeah. Yeah, I, just reiterate, I think you could, uh, go ahead. Yes, thank you. I think I heard uh, revenues and assessments are not on the table for discussion. I just, is, uh, I, I see. I take a, a head nod, so I presume that that's not on the table. So, uh, what about deficits? <clears throat> so, municipality, we we agree on the five areas, and then Councillor Needham wants to talk about the current infrastructure of the town of Peace River and what that does in our budgeting cycle and how we are forever playing catch up and. Perhaps my municipal neighbors will all be on at that stage, but the point I'm trying to make is that we're sacrificing dollars uh, on a regular basis to do uh, not to do infrastructure. But those dollars, of course, are now going into the recreation, the police, the fire, the emergency services. So I guess the question is: Are, are deficits on the table, or do we need to agree to this ahead of time? So let's specifically take a look at the intermissal services and the cost sharing for those. Uh, revenue sharing isn't part of intermissal collaboration frameworks. So certainly there are revenue sharing agreements out there. ICF wouldn't be, so for example, if you didn't agree, uh, revenue sharing would be a separate piece that wouldn't be part of the intermissal collaboration frameworks. Some municipalities will have a separate agreement, but that wouldn't be part of the ICF legislation. And the reason being is the ICF legislation um, after the two years, April 1st, 2020, then goes to arbitration. So our revenue sharing agreement would go to, to an arbitrator. That'd be just like how you negotiate that now. You would do that under the same the same method that you do now. So the, the deficits, I guess that would be part of your conversation with the counties, is talking about operating capital of those services and discussing what would be a, a way to cost share that. So not, not a simple answer, but that would be, that's part of the, the ICF discussions. I, I think you would concur that we need to uh, have the seminar and then brainstorm amongst ourselves and 
Well, it, yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, I, I think there's there's seven lines around the table in administration. I think we've each maybe got some different ideas and some uh, different topics that we'd like to, to put on the table. So yeah, we need to agree to a, a common plan. So we're not uh, we're not we're not telling seven different stories. We need to have one story, and that uh, I, I like the strategy. Um, certainly, uh, the rural municipality to the south is certainly got a different financial picture than the other two but uh, again they're an important neighbor and some of the services we provide there are, are we don't provide in, in other places so I, I guess we need to be customized in what our approach is but uh, uh, yes I think we need to have some time to put this together thank you very much thanks is it okay if I do a summary make sure that I sure. draw through which council yeah. wants? Because that's helpful when I talk to the other municipalities to figure out how to do the, the June 12th meeting. Because we really really want to make sure that meeting is productive and in a way that works for yourselves as well as the your rural neighbors. So I'm hearing, yes, definitely we want to get legislation regulations. Um, I'm hearing introduction of the tools to understand the tools, but not really going into discussing what we want to talk about. Would that be correct? Yeah, I think that'd be fair. I don't think we want to get into a, an argument, uh, particularly when there may be seven different views around this table on how to approach that particular service. Uh, never mind the six or seven on the other. Well, I should be three times six would be 1,800 views of that may be in the room. So, and we, like I said, even today, this is a bit of a, a bit of a surprise that revenue sharing isn't on, on the table. So yeah. it might make life simpler, but nonetheless, it's, uh, it's <coughs> something different than what we initially understand. Yeah, and, and I must say, in our travels, that's why we say that because that's a, it's very common for municipalities to think revenue sharing is part of it when it was specifically it's about cost sharing so it's and i think in, in fairness to you folks you need to understand that before you go for yourselves and your neighbors to understand that we have those discussions and then how does that affect your discussion from there yeah. so i'm hearing go go slow let's make sure we understand the lay of the lab and then have some follow-up meetings to figure out next steps from there and then if, if you do have any other questions you need to call um, I know Chris has my information there you can pick up the phone it's free and confidential um, if you need that because afterwards if I go and have the call about this or that then you can ask anytime so thank you your worship for your time and council's time it's great to be back in Peace River again I think I've been coming up here for 20 years about so I was 12 when I started. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, so that's the ICF presentation. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll do a we'll circle back and do a, another call for advanced paramedic. We want to do the presentation. Uh, 
Sorry, I apologize. I was a little late. We had a bit of an unfortunate event in Grand Prairie. We just came back from a funeral with one of our casualties. It was a real rush to squeeze that in. We made it. So my, maybe I can just do a little preamble if I can, but the, my objective my objective today was just to kind of give council an opportunity to hear about some of the uh, good news stories about the air ambulance program that's happening in Peace River today, despite the uh, the temporary setup that we have at the airport here uh, at the time. And just over the last few days, we prepared a very brief, just a very very quick PowerPoint presentation to show you some of the uh, you know the I mean a little bit of background of our own organization, uh, very brief, but then more importantly to speak to the uh, the temporary base up at the airport, giving council an opportunity to uh, off, you know ask some questions and have some just open discussion around it, and, uh, and a little bit of open, so a little bit of a touch on where we're at. So I'm just hoping that the uh, that the PowerPoint can be pulled up on your screen. So we just uh, we just working on it. Yeah, let's get stuff.
it's up in the top left hand corner so it's something like that too. Okay, opportunity. Uh, the, uh, I wanted to take the opportunity because at the last council meeting, uh, I don't think that we kind of got off to a great start. And I want to say, and I want to apologize for that on my behalf. And uh, But at the same time, I think that uh, I wanted to get on the agenda this time, so we actually had some time. So if they do have some questions with respect to what we do and where we're going and and uh, what I would like to see happen with the medevac program for the Peace River base specifically, uh, good opportunity to do that in this next 15 to 20 minutes or however long we have. So uh, I'll just start off with uh, our mission. And our mission with APL, we, we've been around a long time now, and our mission has always been the patience and, 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 and compassion. And our mission statement is to enhance the quality of life of our patients, our clients, our, our team of professionals who are committed to providing exceptional and timely free hospital care. This little wheel here that we have, that was created not by some you know fancy web designer, but by our own staff. And if you look around that wheel, those are our core values. And our core values are very, very clear. And when we make decisions, when we make uh, uh, choices, we try to keep these five core values in mind at all times. That's compassion, community, integrity, and professionalism, and innovation. And uh, we do all of that because as you can see at the bottom, it's because people matter. And that's not just our patients, that's everybody, including you know, the people that are sitting in front of us right now. So a little bit of our background and our history. APL started in 1999. Uh, a couple of our first projects uh, put our forest products up at high level. We've all driven past that, I'm sure. That was one of our very, very first projects up there. We had a, uh, a paramedic on site there, it was me. And um, we were out there for close to a year during the construction of that program. Our second project was LeadCorp Pipelines. It was out of Bonneville, and there's been several industrial projects since that time. I also want to highlight DMI because DMI here locally, who I have a lot of respect for. Uh, they have provided us um, sort of uh, ad hoc uh, site medical services for shutdowns and for, uh, you know, when the health nurse is not well or on vacation or whatever, then we step in and we still do that today. So we've been doing the culpable for, oh God, pretty much since 
2000. So I, I, I really have a lot of respect for our local Paulson for that. Uh, our first air ambulance contract was in February of 2003. That was in Peace River here at the Peace River Base location. Uh, we've been doing private medevacs pretty much since that since that time, but not at that time. And there's a big difference between private medevacs and public. Private medevacs are when a company would call us and say, hey, I gotta get my loved one from wherever, it doesn't matter, and get them back home or to wherever. And we do that by chartering aircraft and staffing that aircraft with medical crew and our equipment, of course. And then we bring those patients back to typically Alberta, because that's where we're from. And that's where the medevac is based out of. So, and we've been as far as Mexico, Nova Scotia. These are just a few that I pulled out of my head the other night when I, we've been into Florida, believe it or not, even Amsterdam. So we do go all over with our private medevac program. We have uh, Aboriginal Community Development, which I'm going to get into here shortly. And of course, uh, you know, a little bit of our, not so much historical, but you know, ADD fundraiser program that we do here locally, we do that uh, for the most part every year. And you'll see our ADD devices throughout the community. Not only do we uh, donate them through our fundraising efforts, but then we will sell them to companies like Tarpon and we, we, we create more public awareness about the ADD and how important they are. <coughs> By the way, you need to update your ADD in the town office. I saw it the other day. <laughs> so APL today, uh, industrial ambulance work is what we do in a big, big way. Primary care clinics is what we do. Uh, uh, I'll speak to that a little bit more. Special event medical standbys. We do training. We do a non-emergency medical transport. You've probably seen our little van. We just do that here locally in Peace River. On, and, and I'll speak to that in a moment. Ground ambulance E911, that's starting for us here shortly. We have done it in the past, but we're gonna do it in a big way here shortly. Obviously provincial air ambulance, and then our private air ambulance program that I just spoke to. Those base locations is where we are operating today. We used to have Edmonton in there, but we lost a meta, uh, ground ambulance contract for uh, when the RFP transitioned. We used to do all the ground support, or uh, certainly a lot of the ground support work from the international airport <laughs> to all the hospitals. Alberta Health Services decided that they were going to take that on and do that what they call direct delivery. So they've taken that over. So we've had to remove the Edmonton base, but we may add it back in the future. Industrial ambulance, I just want to touch on this slide very quickly, but you know, we have several clients that we work for today and what we have in the past. Uh, Shell Canada, Obsidian, of course, SRD. We had a contract with SRD for wildfire management in the past, uh, over the years. Uh, Baytex Husky, Seven Generations Energy, amongst many, many others. Seven Generation Energy, this slide here is interesting. When I talk primary care clinic, I, I'm, that clinic in that picture doesn't sort of look too, like too, too much. It's a well site trailer. We created and dealt, developed it ourselves inside that thing. What we do is on, on oil and gas sites that are big sites where they have hundreds of people, we create uh, a clinic type atmosphere to keep patients on location to keep them from going to the hospital. So we put very high quality practitioners in there. We add medical direction, meaning connection to a medical community, the doctor, and we can prescribe medications, we can do suturing, we can do all kinds of high quality medical care right on site. So when you look at that picture, you say, geez, well, that's just another well site trailer. Um, but um, when you look inside, that's just one corner of that clinic, right? And, and we see hundreds of patients that come through there any day over the year. Yeah, hundreds. And there's the other side of it. Just, it's a big clinic, and um, 
and in seven gen this one's actually at seven generations energy or 45 minutes out of transporter community all kinds of different things one of the two things we do for community is our special event medical standby you know or as well as anybody about what we do with respect to your peace fest etc year after year but these that's one small thing compared to all these others like we do concerts and corporate events um, you know rodeos or whatever we can do to provide you know keep the medical on those sites because it's becoming more and more of a uh, mandatory thing with respect to insurance and so forth so it's a good way we can I, I, I'm gonna say let me go back here one side you see the third from the bottom TV and movie productions that's not just a typo we've actually been a reality TV providing our services before I won't tell you why but community this one's a big one here uh, people the non-emergency you've heard me talk about this before a couple of years ago I may have just introduced it at the very least at council it's turned into a very very much we have a needed service where we're, we're utilizing it daily now. It's become daily. And it's all we do is we do we take elders to hospital appointments, dental appointments, grand grand medical appointments. Uh, we have one gentleman uh, that we've had in the past. You can see in that top picture with Pam. She's our driver. All we did for that gentleman was take him for coffee every day. Every day. I'm oh, sorry, every Monday. Not every day. Every Monday we took him for coffee. And, and that was our job and it's a base it's a it's a good service that we get we get more reward than than anything out of providing that service for the elders in our community or special needs right we church i see at the bottom here it says religious and social activities absolutely sunday we take people to taking people to church if they can't get there so let's just talk about air ambulance a little bit this is just a little bit of our background but i want to show here's some pictures of our of our temporary peace river base location here in the aircraft <clears throat> you can see the aircraft there sitting on the in front of the APL hangar that little small hangar at the back we purchased that hangar about oh gosh 15 years ago or so from Highland helicopters that was the original Highland helicopter hangar in Beecher Airport just before in fact I've seen a development permit they had a development permit in front of council at the time and they were going to expand that helicopter hangar double the size of it so they could add a 206 inside secondary second helicopter and thankfully I got in front of Gary Markle at the time and I said, Gary, stop, don't do this. Sell me your hangar, you go build what you want next door. And uh, and they did exactly that. So we've been in we've had that hangar facility ever since. Now obviously it's not a hangar that's of any value for aircraft or 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 for for other than what we use it for. We use it for ambulances and, and, and crew quarters and, and uh, supplies etc and it's been great over the years but we made the choice to allow Ken West to park in front of that facility as you well know as of April the 1st to keep the service flowing in the future for airport here's a back view of that of that aircraft where you'll see the, the tank there for fuel on the left you'll see that's a tool crib uh, for their aircraft maintenance engineer and um, you know, I gotta say, from my experience, not long working with Ken West, but what we've seen here when putting that program together in such short, you know, period of time, um, it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good, and and patients are of course the priority when it comes to the service that we provide. 
but there's been no patient compromise at all with respect to what we're doing out here at the Peace River Airport. None. And there won't be. I'll see to that. Just another little shot from the uh, from the front uh, with the aircraft in the, in the background. And, and then, of course, you can see the new Highland helicopter. I say new, but it's probably, like I say, it's been 12 or 15 years now. Highland helicopter hanger off to the left there as well. So that's the, uh, that's the temporary arrangement. Moving forward, air ambulance enhancements. You know, you know, we, we've been, you know, the, the Peace River, unfortunate, unfortunately, it's been a little bit of a black eye in the air ambulance environment with Albert Health Services. We all know that, I think. But I think one thing that I'd like to share is about the enhancements to the program as of April the 1st. And there's been several. And um, <clears throat> the equipment that we've invested in to put in the back of these aircraft is state of the art. Um, that little, it looks like a little red box in the top left corner there, that's what we call a transport ventilator. And these transport ventilators that you'll see there, which we have them at the airport now, among all of our other base locations now, uh, we made the, we didn't have to make that kind of an investment in this program according to AHS, but we felt that we wanted to make the program, uh, you know, state of the art. The eastern half of the program, Fort, Fort McMurray, Black Labiche, and Edmonton, they don't have these type of transport ventilators. And I'm not going to get into all the details and the schematics about them, but they are state of the art, no question. First thing, so that. That equipment is specific to APL and what APL is doing in the air ambulance, or is that that you guys particular ventilator it? is? Stars Air Ambulance also uses that type of a ventilator equipment. So this is APL equipment in Correct. the aircraft. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Exactly. So what's what? what and these are RFPs. They they give us a box and they say you work within that box. You say your ventilator must have A, B, and C. We, you know, then you can you can invest in whatever you want to do. But what was really really important to us is to maintain con continuity across the board when it comes to our high level base location, our Grand Prairie base location, and certainly our Peace River base location. So if you're a paramedic working for APL and you want to get on that aircraft in Grand Prairie, and you, and you know we have a hole in Grand uh, High Level, I can ship you up to High Level, and nothing will change. The interior of the aircraft, nothing will change. The equipment, nothing changes. Training, everything is the same, so that all of our staff can work at any one of our base locations throughout uh, Alberta, basically. So it's um, it's very exciting, and and of course, then on the bottom right there, you'll see those are the what we call Bebron uh, tra uh, transport uh, design for transport uh, syringe pumps, and uh, and again, they're just they're just IV pumps, and again, I'm not going to get into the schematics of it, but they're very much. Uh, a high pro we a high profile type uh, of a pump type system. Uh, you can see in the middle picture there's that arch. Can you kind of see that arch that sits over the structure there? Um, those are built in the United States. They're the only place you can buy those. They're, they're a company called Lifeport, and um, we've used Lifeport in Alberta for years. I want to be clear about that, but. We have definitely enhanced our lightboard system with respect to the new equipment. So all of our equipment is mounted in the aircraft, either on the stretcher or on the interior of the aircraft, which I'll show you here maybe in the next slide or two. Another one of our enhancements is our MCP protocols. So we call them as is a critical care uh, uh, medical control protocols. 
And this is a provincial initiative. So across the province, we have been working uh, in cooperation with AHS and STARS Air Ambulance to create uh, these enhanced protocols that our flight paramedics and flight nurses will utilize going forward. You know, in the previous air ambulance days, the air ambulance company would just create their own protocols and we'd work with them. Not that they were bad, it's just that we're looking at the program now as a provincial program. And again, if paramedics are working in Grand Prairie, we want to make sure that when they do go up to Fort Vermillion to do a flight shift or whatever, that they were all working under the same level of protocol. And our medical direction for this protocol comes out of Edmonton. That's our physician, our doctor. Every time our flight paramedics go on what we call a med or a critical call, they're required to call the transport physician and have a, a dialogue, communication with the transport physician. These are another enhancement to our program. Another enhancement, staffing models. Our staffing model has went from, it used to be in the previous RFPs, a paramedic and an EMT. In today's world, we call them an advanced care paramedic and a primary care paramedic. Well, today, the staffing model is enhanced to a double ALS model, meaning two advanced care paramedics, or we can also put in a uh, flight nurse in there as well. So now we have more skill and more experience in the back of each one of those aircraft. These pictures here, there's this one here on the left there, you can see that's uh, a, a snapshot, not all of them, but most of the new uh, flight team that we've hired up in, uh, in the more high level support from them and our level. This is just a training picture over here. You can see Dr. Tabby Manchimer, he's a good friend of mine. You probably, some of you know him from, he used to be a general practitioner here. Now he's a uh, intensivist at, uh, in Grand Prairie. And uh, he comes up and he does training with us as well. There's another dog in there, forget uh, Anyway, he was there as well. This training takes place right here in Peace River. Uh, air ambulance enhancement, of course, the aircraft. These aircraft are something else. Uh, I'm a pilot myself. I wish I could fly one of these things, but they're uh, unbelievable a machine. The King Air 250s, we went up from a King Air 200. Uh, more room, more speed, more horsepower, uh, more uh, uh, avionics, and uh, and you know, you can see on the ceiling inside that aircraft, there's a tracking system. We can take our ventilator and and put it up onto the ceiling of that aircraft. Or, or our Propac X monitor mounted on the aircraft. If we need more room, we can get it out of the way and up and off, off the patient if we had to get to their legs, or, or we can put it down on that rack system so nothing touches the patient. The previous program we've never had that before. This is a ground support unit. This ground support unit, I believe, uh, is in, uh, I'm here, but that, that uh, ambulance anyway, I think that one's up in high level, that ambulance. But we have every base location, we have an ambulance like this, that's uh, ground support and the service we provide there is hospital to airport transport and vice and versa. Airport, uh, hospital transport when aircraft come in. That's just a picture, the next slide here shows the interior, just an example, just a typical ambulance, but, but um, but new and clean so I want to share this picture see you know, what's this have to do with anything well this is our our um, our Aboriginal engagement this is a relationship that we built about uh, 2013 with the Christina River Denny Nation Council where's the relevance I'll tell you in a moment but this uh, 
built this relationship uh, and they are from the Dene Nation uh, Council, uh, Christina River by uh, Conklin area. So we've done industrial work in cooperation with this nation. Um, and, uh, and we continue to bid contract tool work with this nation today. Um, but this is the next, this is the most recent uh, relationship that we uh, that we've engaged in. And on April the 2nd of this year, that's Chief and Council of the Woodland Creek. And as you can see in that picture is um, the band manager, a few counselors, and there's a couple of Alberta Health Services people in there. And this is the uh, the start of a ground ambulance relationship with the Kalaalleq First Nation. So um, this is what's coming next. July the 4th, that will be our next base location, and it will be a, an actual base where there's an ambulance, crew quarters, and crew there 24-7. And this is an example of, well, it's not an example, it is actually the, the schematics of the ambulance, and just put a snapshot of that in there, of the new four-wheel four -wheel drive ambulance that will actually be based out there. You'll see that ambulance in Peace River every day because it will be transporting patients to and from Cadott Lake every, uh, on a daily basis. Um, and th again, that starts on the uh, 4th of July. I'm very excited about that because that's our opportunity to get into the ground ambulance E911 matrix, meaning we're part of the provincial ground ambulance system now. Meaning we'll be doing calls potentially in the town of Peace River. Because just because this ambulance is in Kadot Lake doesn't mean that when we're in Peace River and we deliver a patient to Peace River Hospital, we could get redeployed for the closest ambulance. We could get redeployed to an ambulance accident on the bridge or uh, to a residence in Saddleback or close to the hospital, motor vehicle accident, whatever. First ambulance, closest, best resource. So this is what we uh, are very much looking forward to that. And in the little red box in the, in the corner there, that's where we're setting up our base. And that's very close to the Bend uh, office and the uh, and over here to the left is the, uh, is the school. Go ahead. When, when, you're, when you're talking about being possibly redispatched with your ambulance, um, if you're the closest ambulance, so is, is, your, is your unit going to be GPS through AGF or through Albert Health Services through the dispatch center? Absolutely. Yeah, we're dispatched with NCC here for the ground ambulance yeah. program. So and it's a good question because in the air ambulance side, we're dispatched out of Edmonton to what we call CCC, Central Communications Center, right? And they dispatch all the air ambulance aircraft throughout the province. And here, we're going to be dispatched out of Peace River. So our, our 911 dispatcher can pull your ambulance up on a little red dot wherever wherever it may be on the map there. You got it. Yeah. You bet. So that's uh, coming soon. So here's here's the two here's the here's a here's a picture of the two aircraft sitting back to you know back to our temporary air ambulance base here in Peace River Airport. Here's a picture of our two uh, resources uh, in tandem. Now um, that's uh, that's what we want to see here in Peace River. But we want to see these aircraft uh, inside, and we want to see that and. Quickly. This is an example, and I know many of you probably have seen this as an example of one of uh, the hangars that was built by uh, by Ken West. Um, I've seen the plans, and we're excited about the plans, and we want to see that uh, project proceed. Um, and here's a uh, here's a little uh, nice example. This is the one actually up in Fort Vermillion, right? 
you see the ambulance in the back far corner of the uh, thing there so that's uh, that's when that's actually that's I don't know that was around Christmas time when this picture was taken but uh, but uh, that's what we would like to see happen at the Peace River Airport um, as soon as possible because we certainly don't want to go through another you know well we didn't really go through a winter season with aircraft outside we didn't we didn't have to go through that thankfully but you know going forward you know every week we miss out on an opportunity for time you know cuts out maybe on the back end so that's what uh, that's uh that's my that's my that's my, uh, that's my presentation and I, again it was just more of a question and answer hopefully opportunity i hope everybody has two questions each. hopefully one more uh, going you already back. asked your two or yeah. <laughs> one more. Thing. All right. Um, I you, know. You can have one line. Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, I know I'm aware of it. I don't know if uh, a lot of my uh, fellow colleagues here are aware of it, but on your slide to do with APL's history, yeah. Can you speak to the uh, volunteer work that you have done? I know as far as the the uh, air ambulance is concerned, because I know there's some stuff that. That you have done for the community. Well, we've done we've done. Are you, are you talking specifically that Nova Scotia trip? Yeah. Oh, that Nova Scotia trip. That was something else. Well, I'll try to. I, I can talk all night about that because that was such an exciting experience for me, and I I gained more out of that, you know, just emotionally than than I think that that family did because that was quite something. But my it, it all started. I'll just be fair as quick as quick as I brief as I can on it. But my dad called me up one night, and I was actually in Edmonton. And he asked me, he said, Steve, would you be ever interested in doing a volunteer mission for Medivac? And I said, absolutely not. It's too expensive. I can't, we can't be flying aircraft around. Uh, it's too expensive. But he says, well, before you say no, let's watch the 11 o'clock news. So I did. And it was a gentleman that was uh, full of cancer and it was time. He used, last dying wish was he just wanted to get back to these folks where he's from. And I thought, oh, I scratched my head, and I said, ah, this is quite something. I think that, you know, to me, that's a actually easy mission. You know, we, we can do that. So we ended up getting a hold of the family the very next morning, and basically the message I said to the family was, listen, um, I know you got a GoFundMe page going right now, and it's sitting at, at the time maybe five, six, seven thousand dollars. I don't know what it was. But I said, keep your GoFundMe page going, but stop worrying about going, because she told me to kind of borrow money and all kinds of things to try to get in there. And I said, don't worry about any of that. We're gonna get in there. That was my only message. We're gonna get in there. We're gonna start getting prepared to get that trip done for you now. Um, keep the GoFundMe page going though, because we, you know, I wanted it, whatever you guys get, if you don't get a dollar bill more, we'll still do the trip. Now, I did that in cooperation with Northern Air Charter. I wanna be very clear about that. Northern Air Charter stepped up the plate as we did did that trip in cooperation and uh, we ended up taking that gentleman down to uh, Halifax and it seemed like Canada came together on that trip because it went viral and there was we had phone calls and people wanting to offer us fuel and meals and hotels and all kinds of stuff across Canada on that trip and it, it, it made uh, yeah made national news that was quite something but we got him there and he had two weeks before he passed away to put his family back home and he was Great. Yeah. I won't take up any more questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. My pleasure, Tom.
capital expenditures um, just for the town's portion uh, were up four and a half million from from the prior year um, the consolidated fund balances so accumulated surplus which includes your uh, reserves your uh, equity and intangible capital assets and your unrestricted funds increased uh, just a little over eight million dollars from the prior year uh, cash position decreased by five and a half million but again with capital expenditures being up uh, four and a half that's that's sort of to be uh, expected there was no new debt in in 2017 um, reserves uh, at the end of 2017 are funded at 50% so if we take cash and back out uh, deferred revenue which of course has been um, set aside by external parties for a particular reason uh, and compare that to to reserves we are we are a bit underfunded there um, and the liquidity position decreased a little bit um, but about two hundred thousand um, dollars the reserves increased by about nine hundred thousand um, when we look at the debt limits um, so of course municipal affairs has set out um, how much of your um, uh, operating money um, you can have for for debt uh, and so we've actually dropped down to about 30 percent of the maximum debt limits used and for our debt servicing so that's the amount of uh, that's going to be paid on on your debt in the next year um, we've actually dropped that down to 20 percent of your uh, allowed amount so um, you know some reasonable borrowing capacity for for the near future um, and again, uh, no new debentures, so our debenture debt decreased from 12 million to about 11. Um, so kind of overall, the big picture, you know, um, financial picture is, is stable. I think the, the challenges for the town uh, is maintaining liquidity. You know, you wanna make sure that you've got um, enough to, to cover your expenses. Um, funding, you know, your short-term, long-term capital projects is, is a big thing, of course, that municipal affairs is wanting you to make sure that that you're you're funding for and budgeting for, uh, and again, funding funding the reserves. Um, you know, we, we really want to make sure that that the reserves are, are fully funded. Um, so that's sort of the, the highlights that I've got. Uh, any questions that that anyone had um, from the detail before? The left one? <laughs> the right one? Okay. Yeah, so uh, uh, maybe Mr. Town, which is the corporate director, you want to make any additional comments? So, um, as Ms. Peterson had mentioned, um, I don't really have anything new to add. She did a pretty um, uh, accurate synopsis of the, of the position of the town. Um, I, I would change one word where she had mentioned that the financial position, I guess from year to year, was stable. I would put more static, um, our financial position. And again, sort of a key uh, item here is you know, our net financial assets, you know, slight decrease year to year. That's our assets over our, our liabilities. So there's there's a little bit of downward movement there. Um, and again, you know, these things go up and down over time. So, you know, in any one year, that's not really a major issue. Um, the reserve funding uh, balance is 
uh, going to be the challenge. And the town has put uh, processes in place to deal with the, the cash uh, liability issues. So again, we've talked to council about the need to uh, uh, be able to access um, short-term borrowings either through the um, uh, through the um, ACFA or uh, through uh, our, our local banks or financial institutions and those have been in place because as we know as we incur significant uh, uh, costs for the Peace Regional Recreation Centre uh, we need to have cash in place to cover that and those have been put in position not in 2017 but mostly in 2018 so so we will be covered um, financially there the council should expect to see a report to staff and uh, if not in the May 28th meeting then the first council meeting of June that discusses the disposition of the surplus and um, that will report on the, the operating activities of the town and discuss uh, how the surplus is so it'll discuss the uh, operations um, budgeted and actuals and show the um, the results of that fund and discuss with the, the disposition of the surplus of that fund okay i think that we need a motion to accept the financial statement as presented put that to a vote who's going to make that motion I so move. Okay, all in favor of Deputy Manager's motion? Passed unanimously. Thank you very much. Ms. Peterson. Okay. And just from a technical point of view, um, we need to get the management letter signed that will accompany the financial statements. Um, once we do that, uh, we shall have it uh, publicly available on our website probably, if not tomorrow, then Wednesday at the latest. So I, I sign it, or just the season one. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. So we will uh, we will go to the email and letter from AUMA dated May seventh regarding a request to support uh, for a support letter to JT regarding the Trans Mountain pipeline expansion. Thank you very much, Your Worship and Council. Um, as you uh, remember, on May 7th, we did quickly discuss the issue of uh, uh, the letter uh, request from the AUMA, uh, well, putting our name on the letter that we sent to the uh, government. The letter is also included here, and basically, um, Council directed to have it come to this Council meeting and get an official motion. Any questions for this partner? Jason Kenny asking for some more money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the next one is request for a decision regarding update support to North Peace Navigators for the memorial to Dr. Darcy Morgan. 
Well, thank you very much, Your Worship and Council. Uh, this is a follow-up to the uh, Council Motion 18-04-153 regarding the commemoration of Darcy Logan. Um, council basically directed administration to meet with the PISA uh, navigators and discuss um, some options to memorialize Darcy. Uh, during the time, uh, we had uh, a couple of meetings there. Uh, there was a lot of different options that have been explored. An internal plaque, a monument to Mr. Hogan, uh, uh, ice surface, native adjustment, monument, statues. Um, the navigators are confirming with their board that the acceptance of the preliminary plan and also be consulting with his, uh, the family on this concept uh, and any announcement in the future. Uh, once uh, a decision has been made uh, with the family and the navigators, they, they do have uh, some options there. A press release will be developed uh, between all the parties and uh, after we get final confirmation from the navigator. In addition, the navigators are developing plans for a memorial game or tournament in September uh, 2018, and they're just in the beginning phase of creating their plans this weekend. And once they have more details, they will uh, definitely be uh, communicating this event, and uh, the town will also be uh, communicating it. During this time, we also looked at the possibility of uh, providing a financial commitment uh, to a, some kind of a commemoration. And, um, there was a $5,000 donation uh, or, or commitment is being recommended by administration um, for this um, uh, event, um, monument. Um, and uh, so it can either come out of the 2018 budget or you can, uh, we do have funds uh, in the operating budget that we could uh, allocate, or it could also come in the 2019 budget. It just depends uh, when this uh, monument will be built. And at that time, it'll um, also uh, be kind of a specific uh, area of where they could uh, uh, take the funds from. So basically, the recommendation from the administration is recommended that the town peace council uh, provide a financial contribution of five thousand to the Darcy Peace Navigators to support the development of a memorial for Darcy Hogan. Uh, I'll make that motion, Your Worship. Okay. Any questions, Mr. Parker? Not all in favor? Thank you very much, sir. So that's the third item. Was there anything else under unfinished business? No, it's under your business worship. Okay, so we'll go to bylaws. And the first one up under bylaws is a request for a decision on bylaw. 2031 to encourage indebtedness, indebtedness for the remediation of the 99th Street slide. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Um, I'm presenting tonight a request for a decision regarding the bylaw to enable the town of Peace to more money for the remediation of the 98th Street slide. Uh, this bylaw was originally presented to Council at the April 9th, 2018 regular Council meeting. And at this meeting, the bylaw was given first and second readings. The bylaw was advertised on April 18th, 2018 and April 25th, 2018 issued in the Gazette. Uh, no petitions were received at Time of the writing. Uh, this bylaw now can be presented for third and final. 
Okay. Any questions of Mr. Schramm? Who wants to make that motion? Just, uh, I'd be pleased to make a motion, uh, Your Worship. But just uh, as a preliminary, I just uh, was curious have, in the the, uh, the history of Peace River when we incur uh, the indebtedness uh, through a dementia, do we typically stay with the Alberta Financial Services group, uh, the municipal affairs, or, or have we? shopped around for money, i.e. Uh, credit union or the treasury branch. Do we do we have a, a preferred vendor, I guess is my question. Uh, in the past here, the town since I've been here, it's been through uh, ACFA, um, but uh, I, I, want, I want to start, I'm sure the town will support me that they want to shop around a little bit to get the best rates we possibly can. Um, sometimes the Problem lies in how other institutions uh, require the, the bylaws to be written. I think that that's going to become a little bit more comfortable. But we definitely want to shop around and, and be able to get the best possible rates. Uh, with that, Your Worship, I would uh, put a motion on the floor that uh, to provide third reading to bylaw 2031 to incur indebtedness for the remediation of the 99th Street slide. All in favor? That uh, gets us to bylaw 2032, cannabis definitions and bylaw 2033, cannabis provisions in districts. Mr. Kamek, welcome back. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Our expert on marijuana. Slowly <laughs> becoming notorious for such. Uh, so tonight I'm here to uh, request uh, first reading for both the cannabis bylaws 2032 and 2033. Uh, the first one, 2032, is the definitions bylaw, including the similar use policy, and 2033 is the land use bylaw for the special provisions and actually listing the districts. Uh, so in the request for decision, we've outlined the, um, the advantages and disadvantages of moving forward in this direction. Uh, providing for screening for both uh, allows council to consider the bylaws. It also allows uh, potential developers to have an indication of the direction the town is seeking. Um, providing only for 2032, it does provide council time to consider the bylaw. Um, it does not provide any direction to any potential developers. Uh, option three, providing for screening for only 2033. Um, it does provide the provisions in there, but it does not define the uses, which is a critical part of uh, amending the bylaw in this circumstance. And option four, uh, not providing first reading, uh, does not prepare the town uh, towards any cannabis uh, legalization, and potentially you face development coming in as a retail store or a general industrial use. Uh, so recommendation today is to provide first reading for both bylaws. Questions in this I got it. <laughs> See, the last guy, the SCH, is a soft and mine's like more like school and it's confusing and uh, it's, it, I don't know, it goes the wrong way, right, Mr. Scram? <laughs> I feel your pain sometimes if anyone ever calls you Mr. Scram. <laughs> <laughs> 
We have a currently have a survey that's going out right now. Is there any potential that responses that come back from the survey, given the disposition of the town, I'm not sure what those responses might be as of yet, would potentially impact uh, how this bylaw may be written? I think there's definitely potential for it. I think the idea of putting the, uh, the survey out there was to gain the feedback. Providing the first reading now, at least we're putting it out there, what the town is looking at. Uh, any feedback that comes from there, it can still be amended going forward to the second reading. So by having it out there would perhaps give direction to those wanting to give feedback, say, okay, this is where it's at now, as opposed to trying to pull out their ideas from wherever, and have a, a baseline to look at. Yes, correct. Okay, thank you. Um, Ms. Hume, have, we, have any of the surveys actually been come back? We've had over, sorry, we've had over 230 responses to the online survey in the say, wow. 40 hours it's been up. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about physical responses yet. <coughs> well, there is some interest. I thought no one was interested in this stuff. Okay. So, um, so who wants to make the, uh, the motion for the first reading of by law 2032 and by law 2033. I guess we could run them both. Can we run them both in a second? Okay. So, uh, uh, by law 2032, you're going to do the honors, Mr. Hicks? Yes. Uh, I'll move first reading of by law 2032 and amendment to the land use by law number 1981. All in favor? And, uh, is there somebody else that wants to jump in and maybe speak to their base? I'll move that uh, council do first reading of bylaw 2033 amendments to the land use bylaw number 1891. All in favor? It's 1981. You're right. Sorry. Thank you, Don. So just a quick question in regards to the bylaws and getting into the nuts and bolts of it. So, so even though we're at first reading, some changes to the wording may be made in the future? Correct. Yeah, that is possible. Um, it's actually 18. It is 1891. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's one. Bylaw, so another request for decision on bylaw 2034. This is the advertising bylaw. And I think you went over this in quite some detail uh, at the GMP and the PMP. Yes. Uh, good evening, Your Worship Council. Before you is a request for first reading of Bylaw 2034, which has not changed since the Governance and Priorities Meeting. Um, questions? Straight up and down. Who wants to make the motion? You look for some diversity here. I think you've already had, had, a, had a chance here. <laughs> uh, who hasn't? Uh, 
I've done something today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to clock out, but I did. I, I put him on. I, I did minutes at the beginning. Okay, Ms. Downing, you, you have to swing the wall. All right. I'll move that the town provide first reading to bylaw 2034, uh, the advertising bylaw. All in favor? Second reading? Anyone want to make that motion? We don't have to stop. Or oh, was this third? No, this is just first reading. Right? Yeah, we have to go. We have to do a public hearing. Oh, do we have to do? Uh, okay. So, so we, we have, have to advertise in the old mechanism. How we're going to change our advertising from <laughs> the new mechanism. Yeah. Okay. The irony of it all. Okay. Uh, bylaw twenty thirty five tax rate bylaw. Worshipping Council before you is a bylaw to uh, consider and hopefully approve the upcoming 2018 tax rate bylaw, bylaw 2035. So, as a bit of a background, pursuant to Section 353 of the Municipal Government Act, Council must pass a property tax bylaw annually, which authorizes Council to impose tax and raise revenues used towards the payment of expenditures, expenditures and transfers set up through the budget. So the property tax bylaw must set out and show separately all the tax rates to be imposed um, and then other levies um, that we collect on behalf of other organizations um, are also shown through this bylaw. And just as a way of reminder, tax notices will be mailed out to property owners uh, by mid-May um, and taxes are due on June 30th, 2018 this year. So in terms of assessment information, and we had some uh, very preliminary information on this uh, through the budget process, and assessments are actually a little bit lower than I had, had expected. Overall for the entire town, our assessment has only gone up 862,000 approximately, and on 2017 assessment of over $966 million, that's an increase of 0.09%, so less than one-tenth of a percent. Um, and that's fine, um, because we have to amend the tax rate to, to achieve tax revenues that, uh, that we have to, uh, that have been set through the budget. However, there are some changes to some categories within the assessment. So on the first page of my report, I have broken or shown additional information on, on these types of categories. For example, single-family residential properties, uh, their assessed value has gone up $1.9 million, which is a change of 0.35%. However, duplexes have gone down 2.4%. Condominium units have actually gone down over 14.4%. So apartments have, have gone up 4.84%. And then commercial lands have, or commercial properties, have gone up 0.8 tenths of a percent. Industrial has gone down slightly. And there's other changes throughout the other categories. Uh, so, you know, from a tax bill perspective, categories will see different impacts on their rates. Um, so it's kind of important to 
to note that. Um, unfortunately, when you have a, a aggregate pool assessment amount, there are some winners and losers in terms of each year to year, but um, in terms of our main classes, that being uh, residential, single family, and uh, commercial um, type assessments, um, those changes are pretty nominal again, the single family residential going up less than four tenths of a percent. In terms of the budget deliberations, council uh, needed to increase tax revenues by just over $300,000 from 10.6 to $10.9 million. And to achieve that, the uh, tax rates need to go up for the re or residential rate, 2.87%. Uh, so from 8717, sorry, 8.7129 cents to 8.9268 cents. And then the non-residential or commercial rates needs to increase by 3.06% from 15.8108 cents to 16.2943 cents. Uh, so again, to, to back this around, um, residential assessment increases are up. Um, under four tenths of a, a percent. Um, again, it's only an increase of one point nine million dollars, and I would, I would suggest that uh, the majority of that increase is uh, some new construction, residential construction that's happened in town, some um, uh, property value changes through additions and other permitting type activities, market value changes due, due to old um, home sales. So. Even though it will change neighborhood to neighborhood within the residential um, uh, category, you know it kind of looks like residential assessments are pretty well flat. So I think from a tax bill perspective, uh, residential might residential taxes might see an increase of that two point eight seven percent. You know maybe two point nine or three percent um, if you look at it on a property assessed at three hundred thousand dollars. That's a difference of about sixty four dollars per year. Or broken down on a monthly rate that you look to for five dollars and thirty-five cents. It's also important to note there's a couple items within this rate that are used to fund some targeted infrastructure needs. Um, one mill is being uh, used to fund our neighborhood infrastructure renewal program, which will achieve about eight hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars in in funding <coughs> revenues this year in council is uh, targeting one million dollars from new overall taxes uh, to be used towards funding the peace regional recreation center um, the final note i'll say is uh, there are third-party requisitions that the town must collect on other agencies behalf uh, these amounts and budgets are out of our control we are just given given a total on the amount that we need to requisition on these agencies behalf and then we do the, the formulaic approach to figure out what the rate needs to be for the uh, alberta school foundation that levy actually goes down this year um, about 6.49 percent um, whereas for north peace housing the, the assessment or the levy needs are going up 8.97 percent so there's a appear to be a little bit of a benefit for residents this year um, whereas it did impact there's about 150,000 less in 
in levies that residents all pay this year compared to last year. So that'll be a, a bit of a benefit for them. So there's a recommendation. Administration recommends that council get a first, second, third reading to bylaw 2035, the 2018 tax rate bylaw. And I'm prepared to answer any questions if there's any. <coughs> Any questions, Mr. First reading of bylaw year for the councillors who were on council at that point um, and just to uh, inform those listening and who are in the gallery during budget deliberations council approved a two percent increase revenue uh, charge increase for uh, generally recreation type activities uh, pool arena sports fields and uh, some other smaller areas again this is a reflection of the cost to to provide that service again it doesn't make much sense for for the cost to provide a service um, as they go up um, not to try to recover some of that through revenue type increases um, it just basically increases the size of the subsidy that the town is providing for those those type services so um, basically within the bar law anything that is recreation orientated such as ice rental fees, pool fees, uh, sports fields, um, their experience a 2% increase. The bylaw, if approved, would come into effect on June 1st of 2018. And as I mentioned, this is similar to uh, the bylaw that's, that was uh, seen and experienced in 2017. There's a couple options for council. Option one is to approve the bylaw as presented. Uh, doing so will allow council to achieve uh, the budget objectives that they have identified during their deliberations and it's reflective of the cost to provide that service. Uh, disadvantage is there is a cost to users and user groups. That is unfortunate but a, a necessity to uh, try to um, achieve true um, cost realization on some of these, these services. Um, and there's no financial implications for choosing this option. Option two is to return the bar lock back to staff for changes. Um, the advantage would be able to capture council's changes or input into the, the proposed bar lock. Uh, delays could impact budget targets um, and there's no real financial 
um, issued in doing so as long as there is an update in the next uh, month or two. Uh, third option is do not approve the bylaw. Um, that is a bit of an advantage for uh, user groups, um, users and user groups, as they will get lower costs, but uh, there are budget impacts. Um, wouldn't be able to reflect it this year, but that'd have to be built in the future budgets. Um, and that'd be a $4,100 um, amount that we'd have to recapture um, in the future. So staff recommendation is for option one in that council recommends, or staff recommends the council give first, second, and third readings to bylaw 2036, the fees and charges bylaw. Questions of this panel? I know uh, Ms. Bell was away, but uh, just I've had some comments from from residents in regards to uh, specific to ball diamonds and tournament rental fees and how they reflect um, to let's say if you just want to rent or have a two-hour game. Now, if a person, my understanding of the way this reads, if a, if a, a group wanted to host. A weekend tournament that went Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we have currently have what is it, three or four ball diamonds up at Kent Moreland, I do believe. So before, so we're that that's four hundred a day. Or is there? Am I am I reading that right? Uh, page eleven shows the weekend rate per diamond, so it'd be a hundred dollars. For the weekend for diamonds, so it'll be 400 for the entire weekend. 400 for the entire weekend. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. You're right, Mr. Town identified uh, that item so quickly. Uh, how about the peddler's license? That was a question that came up last year. Do we do we have a peddler's business license in here? I, I didn't see it, and I just wonder if it. Uh, no business licenses are part of this bylaw. So this is only our facilities that we control. Okay. Um, plus other services that the town provides. Oh, right. Okay, but you, you know, I, I understand your point. And so, so those fees are not <coughs> affected, like a business license or a peddler's license. Those are not affected by this. Although I do see some business. This is quite a lengthy list here. So we'll run through this really quick, but it's my understanding that there's no business licensing type fees within this bylaw. to modify the uh, candidate's deposit number of $25, this would be the time to do it, or can I do it in prior to the election year? I can do it any time. I would suggest it could be done at any time. Okay. Is there one of a, are you, is, is there gonna be a by-election? Well, I, just working ahead, $25 seems like Pretty low number to me. Because if you bump it up, it might be bumped up next week. You might want to get injured. 
I, I don't think you can submit your nomination papers prior to, but maybe you can. I'm not sure. All right, so just a, the business license would be my question, Mr. Town, if, if, if maybe I'm missing it here. Um, it, it's covered somewhere else, that's fine. I just like to make one other comment back to my further statement there in regards to the tournament rental fees. So, four diamonds, what is the definition of weekend for a tournament? Is that a Thursday or a Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Um, per the bylaw, it's defined as Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, I don't know if community services. Um, would offer any type of definition, for example, if the long weekend involves a Monday or not. So um, that would actually be a question for, for Director Bill. Okay, and uh, so let's just say let's just say Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, hundred dollars a weekend for the per diamond. So that would be that would be four hundred dollars. I believe it's four diamonds. Yeah, that's my understanding. So then with the concession, another $100 a day, so $700 possibly to host a tournament. tournament. Is there a way to get those fees down? Is that is, is $700 a weekend fair for, for hosting a softball tournament? Um, Does it's just comments from public effort? It's just the concession at the one place at the Ken Horlick. I think that's the only spot that you can yeah, which is that's where the four diamonds are. So if you if you so do the math, that would be four hundred for the weekend, and then one hundred a day. So three hundred dollars. However, I believe also the tournament would be a hundred dollars for the weekend concession for that. The, the way you read it, it looks like that, and it, and it also says basically after six thirty in the evening. So if you take a look at page um, eleven of fifteen. And weekend defined as tournament rental fees, individual diamond there. Yeah, so it would be a hundred dollars a day no matter what. Because if you go up into into page you know, eleven to fifteen above the chart, uh, where it says tournament rental fees yeah. under concession building, it says hundred dollars slash day plus GST. It doesn't define any yeah, that's weekend. Correct. Yeah, it's just the individual diamond rental that it would go for the weekend rate. Could we have that wording fixed on? You would like concession building at $100 a day or $100 for the weekend rate. The same asterisks that they have for the individual diamond, you would also like that. Is that what you're suggesting? Yes. Well, just going by from what Mr. Parker just told me, um, if you go the concession for a tournament, is it he, he just said would be $100 for the weekend. It does not say that on page 11 of 15. It says $100 a day plus GST. So if you do the math, four diamonds, $400 for the weekend, plus $100 a day plus GST for the concession. So you, you host your whole tournament for seven, $700 plus GST where Mr. Parker just told me that it's $100 a, $100 for the weekend for a tournament, which doesn't say that there. So, Councillor Ford, I think it's, my, my interpretation is that it would be the $700. It's 
$100 per diamond for the weekend, $300 a day for, for the concession. Um, but I would posit, well, I, I'm not sure why council would want to consider reducing that amount. Uh, using the concession, again, that's a service that the town provides. There's a cost for us to maintain that building. And again, it's uh, an assistance in revenue generation for users that use the field. So, you know, they may have to rent that at $100 a day, but they might be able to use it to generate five, six, eight, ten, or $1,000 a day in terms of revenue. So. You know, and like I say, I'm just I'm asking the questions because it was brought forward to me by uh, a few different people in the in the community yep. that they're not hosting tournaments because it's not affordable. It's what I'm being told. I would suggest that those concerns be passed on to Director Bell, and she may be able to review and do some comparables if council is, um, and, and report that back to council. I mean, I, I hate to lose out because we are are charging too much um, and I guess we'd have to find out if, if the services that we provide are somehow different uh, equal and then if they're equal if we're not equal if we're being equitable with what we, what we want to charge I'd be fine with that okay. Mr. Rainey Mr. Motion Mr. Good all in favor second reading all in favor? Motion to go to third reading. All in favor? No, we got. Well, you're actually, you're not voting for that. Uh, no, I'm not. Not until uh, I get the report okay. back from. So, uh, uh, we are. Uh, I can't vote for the vote. Okay, so we're at second reading. Uh, you'll have to bring it back to. Okay, so we've gone through presentations, bylaws, unfinished business. We'll probably get the point to stop and take, take a recess. So we'll recess for uh, 10 minutes. Come back at 7 o'clock. Small urban representative of the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance. Uh, Deputy Mayor is uh, was currently on and is looking for um, basically draft letter of support. Um, we don't have the copy with it. We'll write it once uh, if Council decides to uh, um, support uh, Deputy Mayor Mansfield to be on this this um, organization. Um, 
it has been very useful to uh, have her on and she does come back uh, and give a, a very insightful uh, reports on what's actually happening with that organization and uh, staff feel it would be uh, worthwhile for her to continue on. Um, so we do have a motion of positive to uh, uh, continue with this and provide a letter of support for the nomination of Deputy Mayor Manson. What's the recommendation? It recommends that council provide a letter of support for the nomination of Deputy Mayor Manser as the small urban representative for the mighty peace watershed lines. Uh, let's make that motion. All in favor? Okay, uh, the next one up is a request for decision regarding the public participation policy. Council. Um, so tonight we are reviewing the public participation policy which was presented initially at the government's priorities meeting last Monday. Um, so as mentioned before, it's part of the update to the Municipal Government Act. We need to pass a version of this policy by July 23rd of this year. Um, this policy will outline how Council will see public input outside of statutory notices and advertising. Um, and it will be needed to be reviewed and updated at least once every four years. Okay, any questions in New York, not New Zealand? Okay, uh, motion on this item? Mr. Ford? Uh, so what's, what's the actual motion? To adopt the public participation policy as presented? Yes. All in favor? Uh, the next item on the New Jersey City is It's one of the uh, ones we just brought in. It is basically the elected officials education program. Um, during the uh, course of the last changes of the MJA, um, every uh, councillor had to have within 90 days the uh, Uni 101 program. And every councillor that actually uh, uh, takes that course uh, receives a certificate saying that they actually have taken it. And so the certificates came in and basically I just want to give you all your certificates and say congratulations, thank you, you you're, you're, you're staying in touch with the MGA here. Nice. So that's basically it. I'll just uh, have some presentations. <laughs> so we're getting an award that virtually every elected municipal official in the province gets. No, yeah. only if you pass the course. <laughs> so, what what test was there a test when you guys? I think you missed it then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess we're gonna we're gonna find out. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Parker. Congratulations! There you go. I think it goes back to the veracity of your first question. <laughs> Congratulations, counselor. I, I hope municipal affairs paid for these. Oh, yeah, we, thank you. We took it out of some budget money. Trust me. Congratulations, Councilor Camerhart. Congratulations, Councilor Thank you very much. Thank you. Actually, it's an important uh, little uh, certification you have to get. You guys want a photo? We're good. Need some of the filler for the notes. 
Yeah. Is there more participation trophies today, or can I? <laughs> I would have rather. It's known as democracy, there, Mr. Scamhorn. It feels so good. What's this? Oh, crime prevention. Oh, we've had a good week. Yep. There you go. Okay, and the next item on your agenda. The next item also was a walk-on. That was the AMA press for individuals. So, what's happening right now is the Alberta Police uh, uh, AMA is asking for a working group. Um, for the Alberta Police Act's um, changes that they were going to make, making recommendations. And they had sent out uh, a request, does anyone want to be part of this? And um, to be quite honest, uh, we went, we, we contacted AUMA and we said, uh, what exactly are you looking for? So what they are looking for, they look for municipalities that, number one, is paying for free services. Number two, has enhanced services. And number three, has other activities like uh, clerks or anything that uh, we're paying. And of course, the AFRACs that we're paying for and the other components. And what they want is they want to basically, uh, at, with this working group, just take a look at how overall funding of police services are happening and then make recommendations. So we, uh, we looked at this and uh, uh, the, the report that came on out or the terms of reference came out and said they were looking for administration. But really what they're saying is they, they would love counselors to be on this uh, um, organization and, and uh, as long as they, that municipality meets these criteria. So we were looking at this and we're looking um, to see if uh, a counselor would be uh, interested. And uh, uh, so to us, it's really important that we do have a member uh, of council who uh, is part of this, uh, this group here. Well, this is part of our strategic present our strategic initiative to reduce policing services and mr needham is the champion of that one so well uh, yeah thanks for yeah i uh, i'm certainly interested in the work and, and just as further background so the, my understanding was that uh eumi has this policing contract and the cost to the municipality, we're about a little over 12% of our budget. This is a long-standing issue for us, uh, and it is part of our strategic plan, so it would be uh, worthwhile, I think, to dedicate some meeting time to this. So this is in response to a resolution that AUMA passed uh, at the last event that they had, and it basically uh, called for a policy steering committee to be struck, and this terms of reference is now out, and it talks about uh, CAOs talks about senior officials and and potentially politicians can be on this committee as well. So uh, I guess speaking in favor of this idea, I was going to throw my name in the in the pot and see what happens. Uh, I, and I understand there's a selection process. Uh, Peace River may or may not get chosen, and and whose ever name goes in may or may not get chosen as well. Uh, so the other point I would make is that. Uh, the committee, uh, the former government apparently had made uh, made some progress on this topic and then when the new government of the day came in, this seems to have been set aside. So I was advised that uh, there's interest in, in restarting this work, there's been some work done already, uh, keeping in mind the 2019 election. So this would move fairly quickly. So I believe the committee uh, is going to start very soon and the work would be done this year with recommendations in 2019, hopefully prior to a provincial election. And obviously, Solicitor General needs to be part of this as well. 
I don't know if that helps. Uh, I think this it was initially sent out on an email that Deputy uh, Manager sent around. It was one of those links. You have the links in the bottom of it, and mm -hmm. there's a nomination form and a terms of reference. So that's where I picked it up. And uh, again, since my name was on this thing from the strategic plan, I thought I would volunteer. But uh, I will go uh, in. Oh, the last thing I would point out to Council. So uh, AUMA will cover our costs, uh, whoever our costs are. Uh, that would be hotel travel. The honorary, I'm sorry, the, the meeting portion would be the municipal, would be the municipality part. So so the accommodation, the travel is AUMA, um, and then the, uh, the meeting time would be, would be ours. Uh, my suggestion is we do it, but I will leave the discussion to others. I just have a question though. In regards to what this whole committee is about, it's about, re and I'm just going to go back to Doorship's comments, is about reducing policing costs, not about reducing services. No, it, well, then I'll even do better than that. It's about finding a new policing model. So it, it, it's, it, it's talking about a new funding model. It's not talking about in the case of Peace River moving from 12 to 10, as Councillor Needham perhaps suggested one time, uh, it's not that. It, it's, it's about finding a funding model that works for everyone. And of course, it's, it's well known municipalities over 5,000 have a contract. It's 75, 25. And if you're a city of Grand Prairie, it's 90, 10. Uh, and then if you go to the other end of the spectrum, uh, we'll pick on Grimshaw or any municipality under. 25, under 5,000, uh, they don't pay anything. In the old days, the town of Grimshaw did have a contract because that number was 2,500. And then about seven to 10 years ago, that number went to 5,000. So places such as Grimshaw benefited from that first change. Again, we're missing the rural components, which are the, uh, the rural uh, counties and MDs. So again, it's about a better funding model, not reducing services. So we're, we're speaking to the discussion we had at AUMA about a, 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 an everybody pay type system rather than population of 5,000 more or population 10,000 more. I, I think that's fair, Councillor Ford. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I guess the, the principle is that uh, all Albertans should pay for policing costs and you can take what you will from that political statement. Uh, people will argue that we all pay provincial tax and we do. But in addition, we have a contract, so I, we, we could make the argument we're actually paying twice. Um, but again, I think the committee, uh, the way I understand it, it's a short time frame. Um, there seems to be considerable interest within government to look at a new funding model. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, the terms of reference also talks about testing uh, fund the funding model. And one of the things they talk about is ability to pay and assessments. So that's going to be a, a, a key driver as well. I think it's a wonderful idea. We've been talking to the higher-ups as much as we can about the cost of policing without eliminating any services. So I would be prepared to put a motion on the floor um, supporting um, Mr. Needham's nomination to the committee as a representative from Peace River. Anybody else? 
It's about time. <laughs> hey, all in favor of getting your imagination Good luck, Mr. Nader. All right, thank you for your support. And I'm, uh, when these meetings are done and the information's uh, public, I'll be providing briefings back to council as soon as I can. I'll just come back with a check. Well, I, it'll be a big check. <laughs> a big check. Okay. And that does it for new business, I understand. That is correct, Your Worship. Uh, any reports, Mr. Parker? Is there an idea, Worship? I think just the information, uh, there are three information items. Is, uh, is anyone want to highlight anything under the uh, letter from Northern Sunrise County um, that thanked uh, our uh, Public Works Department for their assistance? Your Worship, uh, again, it's me at the microphone, uh, if I could. What, what exactly did we do for the residents of Murray Because I, I, I'd like to thank you, uh, that's mm -hmm. wonderful, but what, what, what did we do? Well, actually what happened uh, is a very good uh, situation, which uh, there was a call to help from uh, County of the Sunrise. They had uh, a lot of flooding up, up uh, in Murray Ring. Um, they called us after midnight and said, hey, look, can we, we borrow your back truck? And not only did we send a back truck, we sent the crew up there immediately. Um, they were there all night, basically, helping them out. And then we were looking at sending it the next day, but they were able to get other resources from some other municipalities, and they also contracted out. But what they were really happy is that at their time of need, we were there. Great, thank you. Just provides a little substance to the thank you, and uh, good, good that we could uh, help out. <coughs> you could also then speak to the fire services exemplary service medal that's being awarded to Mr. Graham Smith or did Mr. Tim Harris want to speak to that? Uh, again, your worship, so it's, uh, it's a Canadian federal medal for, for exemplary services uh, to the fire services. Um, Mr. Smith received his medal after 20 years of service, he's currently been nominated for and will be receiving his 30-year bar, which is added to the medal. Oh, okay. So it will be presented by the, the uh, Lieutenant Governor on May 27th. Uh, sorry, congratulations on Mr. Smith. So I'll all be in attendance as well and, and support. So Give him a salute for us. Okay, and the next one was a letter from Alberta Seniors and Housing on Seniors Week. Is there a proclamation to be made or what? I think it's just a declaration um, um, a request for copies of a poster in the morning. That's all. Um, see Seniors Week promotional poster as well as a declaration. Okay. Given that there's no conflict of interest for anybody around, I will not move to make a proclamation when it happens, just so that you guys aren't. Can I ask? Can you speak up? I can't quite hear you. <laughs> Can I ask? Um, 
Ms. Hume, with respect to Seniors Week, is the uh, Community Services putting on some sort of event? Yes, actually, I just finished putting together a poster for that day for the Seniors Week event taking place. And it's getting like this really musical guest from uh, Great Plains performing and all the standard fair information booths and supports for the local Yep. Is that the only proclamation that's on tap, or is there another one in the pipeline? It's kind of course. It's only one I'm aware of right now. Okay. Um, great. So maybe a motion to accept items 10.1 through 10.3 inclusive for information. It's four dollars. Uh, any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, Your Worship. Uh, this is an opportunity from uh, the public to make comments. Uh, we've got one remaining member from the public. <laughs> <laughs> we will give her an opportunity to come forward. No, no, she's good. Okay, very good. Um, key communication items. Uh, We'll, uh, any, uh, uh, the last, uh, the last is, uh, Ms. McCory, and, uh, I didn't catch, I can't remember your name. My name's Justin. Justin. Yeah. Helena must be on the sports beat. Is that why she isn't here today? Yeah, she's touching the other one, whatever it is, Justin. Okay, uh, is, is there anything, uh, uh, that you want, Justin, in terms of a soundbite on a particular item? Yeah, um, the cannabis bylaw and um, I think it was the Darcy Hogan uh, monument. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Ms. Downing has become our, uh, our point person on cannabis. Even though it sounded so bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we won't even get into it. You don't need cell phone now. Yeah, right. It was terrible. <laughs> you're turning red. <laughs> it was embarrassing. <laughs> so, are you, you're willing to do it yeah, again? Yeah, for sure. Okay, good. And Darcy Hogan, uh, I think uh, Don Grid, you, who made the motion to you? Uh, I was. Or you made the motion? Okay. So, uh, Mr. Ford will give you, uh, give you what you need on that. And uh, anything else that you found of interest? Actually, maybe this is a question for Autumn. Can you still expect the, uh, the fact sheet for tomorrow, or is it tonight? Uh, we're, planning for, we're planning for tomorrow. Um, but it's just last night delay, maybe Wednesday, but the plan right now is tomorrow. Uh, Ms. McQuarrie, anything piqued your interest this week? Yeah. So you talked about an agreement between you guys, Cam West Highland Helicopters, to try to work on something like that, or is anybody wanting to make a comment about that? Because I will ask Steve about it as well. Uh, yeah, you can ask him. Yeah. Anyone here, though? Is and also 
also all the property more relief work and the agency and the receptivity to the survey, sure. uh, the Canada survey. Uh, I put a little bit of a blurb in the news and a little more warning if you get to the justice area. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Nomination of is that, is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, to the Mighty Beast Watershed Alliance. Yeah. And you can uh, chat with her. She's been the small urban's rep for the last four years or something like that. There you go. And uh, seeking re election for that position. Well, there's, there's no agreement. Discussion. Uh, yeah.